0: Hi, it's Peter Vesey. You're listening to Double Clutch Podcast. Don't believe anything these guys say.
1: Hello and welcome to an off-season, but it's starting to become the on-season. It's episode eight of nine of the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm Matthew Bates. No Matthew Wellington here tonight. He is unfortunately working, but we have James Lee today.
2: Hey, good to be back.
1: And today we are very proud to say that we have a very special guest with us from MVP Magazine. It's Greg Tanner. Hey, what's up? Thank you for having me. No, no, no. Thank you for coming on. Uh We're going to start off today, we're obviously going to get into a, a bit talking with Greg about basketball in the UK and the NBA in the UK, but we're just going to start off today talking about the major news that has come out of the NBA this year in pre-season, and that is Ken Rand who is supposedly, he's injured his wrist, no he's not injured his wrist, well he's injured, and he's probably going to return to play in six to eight weeks, which is obviously a very dramatic and bad thing for the Thunder and basketball fans in general. So James, how do you feel about this news, and tell me a bit more about the injury?
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's bad for Thunder fans, but I think it's just bad for for NBA fans. You, you don't want to lose a, a talent like Kevin Durant, uh, especially right at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think it puts a massive pressure now on on the Thunder and on on, on Russell Westbrook, especially if you go back and you look at uh, the time Westbrook was out last season and and just the great way that Durant really set up and carried that team. So. I think that Westbrook, uh, he's got a challenge ahead of him. The bar's been set very high uh, by Durant last year. Um, Yeah, Durant made the OKC officials aware that he had discomfort in his right foot. Uh, I think it was on Saturday. Um, And then he was very quickly diagnosed with a Jones fracture. Um, And as you said, treatment typically uh, takes about six to eight weeks. But that again, that really depends on on how quickly uh, it, it heals. Yeah, not not good news for not good news for Thunder fans. No,
1: you know it's it's not as you already said it's NBA fans as well. It's it's supposedly it's going to miss about up to about 20 games as well. So that's a good quarter of the season. And as we as you said, the real pressure will be on Russell Westbrook now, but also on other people. As soon as something like this dramatic happens with an injury to a top player on a team, then it starts to trickle down. Uh, So. It could, it, so, there's a lot of pressure is going to be coming on to the, a lot of their young guys who are definitely going to have to step up. Greg, who, uh, who do you think is going to have to try and overtake some of the reins from Durant? Maybe not more Russell Westbrook, but a bit lower down the roster.
0: Well, um, you say lower down the the roster. I think it really is on Russell Westbrook's shoulder. I mean, obviously, you know, surge Ibaka on the defensive end, uh, is, is going to be a presence, but aside from him, this really is now on, on Russell Westbrook. You guys mentioned earlier, you know, Durant really stepped up when Westbrook was injured last season. It's now going to be interesting to see if he can do the same to sort of return the favor. You know, Westbrook's coming for a lot of criticism about being too trigger happy. You know, maybe jacking up shots when he should get the ball to the uh, to the you know league's leading scorer and the MVP. Um, but now it's, it, this is this time to shine. I think it's some um, sink or swim. Obviously, I don't you know I don't think the Thunder will win as many games as they would have with Durant. Um But this could be the making or breaking of uh, Russell Westbrook. If he equips himself well and manages to carry the thunder well in uh, Durant's absence, then all credit to him. But if he does slip up, if he can't handle the pressure, it's just going to sort of add more fuel to the haters' fire that say, you know, this guy can't cut it. This guy, you know, he has a certain skill set, but actually he's not on Durant's level, and he maybe needs to learn to pass the ball to Durant a little bit more or once he comes back in his healthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really I think
2: excellent. it really I think it really goes to show how how unpredictable that, that these injuries are in the NBA because you look at Kevin Durant he he skipped playing for Team USA this summer uh and now he's you know he's he's injured before the the se- season even begins so it's it's a, it's really really unfortunate but surely all these teams now like Dallas and Portland and the Clippers they're all going to be sort of licking their lips now and and kind of just looking to really take advantage of this
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think so? I mean, it, it was absolutely, My first thought when I heard about the injury was, "Oh my god!" And he skipped Team USA, you know, to to rest himself so that he would be physically ready for the season. And before it even starts, he's out with this injury for you know, it could be two months. So, you know, it's, it's a, a a cruel irony. But yeah, it, obviously, other teams in the West will now be thinking they have you know that much, you know, a slight advantage, a slight benefit that they wouldn't have had. Had the leading MVP been at full steam uh, going into the start of the season, so yeah, other teams this definitely opens the door for them a little bit wider than it might
2: otherwise ordinarily. Open.
1: When
2: I actually when I actually heard that he had it suffered from a Jones fracture, I wasn't really sure what it was. So I I've done a bit of research today, and, and apparently it's a it occurs sort of uh, about three quarters of an inch from the base of where your your pinky toe is. Uh, and from what I read, that one of the biggest issues. Uh, with this injury uh, and the healing of it, is that it can be complicated by uh, a lack of blood flow, which can prevent the sort of rejoining of the fracture, or it can even cause a, a refracture. So, I mean, hopefully this is just something that uh, it passes quickly and that Durant heals up and he's back uh, within the six to eight week time frame Because the last thing we want to see is it to be a sort of a recurring nagging thing for for Katie.
1: Yeah, you don't really want be it's the excuse as well like when like all the unknowing like we've like we've had with Derek rose like we don't know we never really know like what the bulls are like with their full potential now when with rose when he's like half he looks like half the man that he was on the basketball court and we don't want especially someone that could be considered to be a top 20 player of all time when his career is done without this injury we don't want this to be a recurring thing as you said we don't want we don't want it to get worse and we don't want to see like a career shortened or just not as built up as it should have been like coming into this season. But personally, what I think is apart from like as we've mentioned for Westbrook, I think a lot of pressure now comes once again back on Scott Brooks because there was a lot of talk about him when Westbrook was down last year. Um, about how many, how, he doesn't really, he is he really that good of a coach and stuff like that, especially with this Thunder team. Personally, I think that he is very, He's very lax when it comes to running plays. It's very it's start to come become very predictable when you watch Durant. Like they half the time their offense is centred around literally just get the ball to Durant and he can work from that, whether it's from like a pick and roll with a backer or a cut from Westbrook or something like that. So I personally think that he I don't really think he's gonna be in the hot seat because once again he's got an out if they don't do that well, but I still think he needs to show himself as a coach of being a top five coach and trying to like work around this injury a lot better, and a, a bit better than he did with Westbrook, and just more fluidly.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I definitely agree, there's a, a lot of pressure now on Scott Brooks, especially when you look at the fact that there, there were a lot of people calling for Scott Brooks to go at the end of last season. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that was necessarily fair. I think he deserved another chance, but there, there were a lot of people who thought, you know, there, there was a, a Change and coaching needed in, in OKC, so it will be interesting to see what adjustments that he makes. But I think it's just a really depressing start to the start of the season. Really, we're not even at tip off yet because you, you've got Durant now injured, you've got Beal, Raymond Felton, Jeremy Lin, Nick Young, all these guys already uh, sort of suffering uh, injuries, and we're not even at, at tip off yet. So really hope that we can get all these injuries out of the way now and then have a have a good season uh, where the full full teams full rosters
1: i wasn't that depressed over Raymond Fountain being injured to be honest
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh you know as a next fan uh i, I can finally <laughs> say that me neither really uh, but, uh, so greg we've actually got a lot of questions uh, for yourself uh, again thank you for coming on the show uh, we're big fans of mvp and uh really um we've got some questions for you so mvp recently has went all digital you 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 stopped your your print circulation uh, fairly recently um was there a particular reason behind that decision or
0: uh ec- ec- economics basically um i mean when you're churning out you know thousands of copies of um the magazine every two months just the print and distribution costs run into thousands and thousands of pounds and Whilst we were covering it via advertising and via our deal that we had with ESPN, it it left very little in in terms of profit or, or in terms of making it actually worthwhile doing it. And it's not just us that's felt that. You know, the entire publishing industry has it, has in in the last few years it's all been about moving online, moving to digital. So um yeah we're just going to I mean we we had a lull you know after we shut the magazine down we we were thinking about even shutting the website and everything down and we had a lull but then we thought no let's refocus and and try and get something going so we're just in the in the process now of actually thinking about how we're going to go about doing this and trying to sort of bring some original um basketball content to UK fans in a similar way to to w- what we did with the magazine the print magazine previously I
2: mean I mean You've worked for the Sun, you've worked for ESPN, uh, you've done work for the BBC, Sky Sports. I mean, how how did you become interested in basketball? First of all,
0: well, my interest in basketball came when I was in my mid-teens, and um, uh, a friend of my brother's, and my brother's a couple of years younger than me, and his uh, his friend, who's uh, half Canadian show him about basketball and this was in the sort of i don't know like 93 94 times when jordan was still playing and when the nba was on terrestrial television over here every saturday lunchtime there was an hour-long program called nba jam session it was a sort of high actually it might have been half an hour it was a highlights program presented by alton bird a guy that used to play professionally over here and uh and we loved it and we were like what the hell is this this is amazing you know we had these were the days of uh, Gary Payton throwing alley oop to Sean Kemp and Robert Ory catching put back dunks, and you know Jordan was still around, and 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 we loved it basically. And around this same time, uh, a, a basketball court got built um near to where we lived, and so basically it drew all of all the kids that were interested in basketball from the local areas gravitated to this court. And before we knew it, we were all best friends and spending virtually every waking moment of our lives at the, uh, at the basketball court. So that's, that's how I got into the sport in, in the first place.
2: Uh, and then you went on to start, uh, uk You started that in 2000. Is that correct? Um, how did that come around?
0: Well, that, I mean, that is what sparked it all off in terms of sort of having a, a career in basketball. Uh, what started it was, um, it was, I first really built the site in late nineteen ninety nine. I'd uh I was sort of finishing uni. The internet was like a new thing, you know. It was this all exciting new thing that no one really knew about and I thought I right, I wanna make a website. Just for the hell of it, you know, just to be creative. I wanna make a website. So then my second thought was, Well, what shall I make it about? Well, basketball, that's what I love. So I um literally just started this basketball website just for the sake of making a website and then I maintained it just as a hobby, just for my own amusement. And I was going around the country and, um, filming a lot of basketball events and uh, editing them. And I, I had access. This was before the days where you could really easily edit something at home on your computer. Um, I had, I had access to sort of professional editing, um, facilities because I'd, uh, graduated and just started working in television. And so I used to make these little sort of two, three minute clips. Put them online, and people, and again, this was way before YouTube or streaming video. People used to have to like right-click, download the uh, the MPEG or the ABI file, leave it overnight <laughs> downloading on their 56k dial-up modem, um, and then and then watch the watch the the video clips. Um, uh, and um, like I say, I was just doing it for for fun. I didn't really think a lot of people were tuning in, as it were. But then one day, I um I put a message board on the site. And uh I put it on in the morning, and I thought I'll check it in the evening. There'll probably be like two messages. I put it on that evening. There were like fifty, a hundred messages on there, and I was like, wow. "What the hell?" I was like, there's, "There's a lot of people going on this site," and it's purely because I mean, the thing is now nowadays, ev- everyone's got a blog. Everyone can go out and, and shoot some video, and you've got guy, you've got guys professionally in the states like Hoops, Mickshape, and all his life doing it, and you know. Over here, you've got hoops fix, and you know, around the world, there's a million guys film, filming video and putting it online. But back then, there really was nobody else doing it, and so that's why the site became popular. And also, it was it was filming around the UK. So you know, I, I filmed a lot of college basketball games, you know, university games. And I used to hear stories of you know, apparently there there would be 20 kids huddled around a library computer at their sixth form college or their university. Going shit, watching the clip of, you know, a rival university team or their own team. I even heard stories about Streetball getting banned by schools and universities because it was taking up too much of their bandwidth as all the kids were downloading the clips. So, <laughs> so what literally started off as just making a website for the hell of it, it turned into something popular that I never thought would happen. And then that led to me. Uh, you know, making proper television programs, doing a magazine, working with companies like the NBA and Nike, and and it just all um all led on from there. Purely something that I started for a laugh and and just as a creative hobby.
2: So so what really kind of sparked your decision to go from from street ball to to MVP? Was it just a kind of natural thing? You kind of got to work more with the NBA, and then you wanted to start the magazine, or was it? Did, did you work with someone else or how, how did the magazine come from streetball well um
0: it was there, there was a the transition period it didn't go straight from streetball to mvp i i kind of stopped doing streetball and it merged into something called basketball 24 7 in about in about 2007 or 2008 i think um it was partly because the, there were numerous factors partly I started StreetballCo.uk in 2000 when the kind of Streetball M1 phenomenon was kind of uh, uh, at its height and um, Streetball was the cool thing to do. But, uh, you know, by, by sort of 2004, it had got a bit played out and, and although everyone still loved highlights of someone getting dunked on or someone crossing somebody over, um, that was no fun unless you were actually doing something serious with it, unless you're actually winning. So I, I sort of felt the shift coming away from, from just sort of flashy streetball. I was like, you know, I need to get more into doing proper basketball. Um, and that's when the opportunity came up to, um, to, to create basketball 24 seven that was basically a more mainstream basketball site. Um, that I set up and ran with a guy who I worked with on a, on a UK TV, um, project that I, I used to make a weekly basketball television program for UK TV and I met the guy. By that, while I was doing basketball 24-7, a guy called Jake Green, who's a photographer and a sort of very creative guy, got in touch and he said he wanted to set up a basketball magazine and he'd heard that, um, you know, I was probably the guy to talk to in terms of looking after the actual content of it. So, um, we had a talk and we decided to set it up and that was called Fadeaway, Fadeaway Magazine. Um, and I, I was like, you know, this will be cool. This will be a cool project. But I thought I don't know how good it's going to be. We and, and obviously so I just do I just do the words right. So I send them all the words in the text documents and you know we work together to work out what pictures we needed. Blah blah blah. Anyway, when the finished product came back and I actually physically held it in my hand, I was like, oh my god, this yeah. is this this is serious. Like this is one of the best quality in terms of look and feel magazines I've ever felt in my life. It was so well-made you know quality paper was used it was so well put together i thought we could be onto something here um by issue two we were in borders nationwide um but then sadly borders went bust but we uh we got a deal with wh smith we started selling in there we started getting subscribers um and we realized pretty quickly that this could be sort of self-funding um and and even profitable um and we took it from there uh we had a rebrand in two thousand and ten to uh to call it um m v p rather than fade away and then um just kept it going from there until we reached a point where you know as as i said earlier, just the physical costs of production and distribution began outweighing the the benefits of doing it so we um we just decided it was time to sort of put the print
1: magazine to bed
2: i mean you talk about those kind of early days watching uh, the nba on channel 4 i mean matt i'm sure you remember you yeah. must have watched nba back in the day on
1: i'm not that uh, old March. but yeah i did <laughs> <laughs> uh you
2: know, we, w- what do you think kind of greg the i mean we before we came on here matt and i were talking about just the challenges of kind of being a basketball <laughs> fan in the uk sometimes with the late nights and you know trying to find other people who are really interested in the sport just day to day I mean, I know that Matt was just telling me that he, he finds it a struggle sometimes just to keep up with all the games and to, to get up early to watch them. I mean, what do you think are the kind of challenges of being a basketball fan in the UK and for yourself just covering basketball?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if you think it's a challenge now, you should try being my age and, and, and be being into it in the in the 90s, you know, before the internet, before... Before you had, you know, had that sort of accessibility, before you could just go on YouTube and type in anything and watch anything you want, or before NBA league pass, or before message boards, or before instant messaging where you could talk to anyone all over the world. Literally, I felt like a a complete outsider for much of my sort of teens and early twenties because apart from my group of friends that uh like basketball and people within the basketball scene you know you were you were a real outsider you were a weirdo basketball what is this thing you're into um so i think it's a lot more accessible now um but in terms of the the challenges yeah absolutely the time difference is a killer um i mean to be honest right and this may may sound shocking during the regular season I don't even watch a whole lot of games. Certainly not live, I don't. In in the come the playoffs, then that's when I start doing my late nights and, you know, waking up having had two hours sleep, etc. But the yeah. time difference is definitely a killer. But then also uh, <sighs> basketball doesn't get taken seriously. Okay. You know, you tell a lot of people you're into basketball. they like, basketball, isn't that just ten, seven foot keys, run down, And the last one to score once no, you uh some incredible it's out of basketball. Uh, and America's sports, I think, over here, um, that you have to battle that as well. Then you have to battle for, okay, it's a BT sport now, and and that's all good. But for years, you know, the only real way of accessing it was if you had league pass. Um, and and the problem with that was it didn't attract any new fans. Um, I always said that um, so many people of my generation got into basketball because of the brilliant coverage Channel Four did in the nineties. Um. Mm-hmm. And you could turn on your television and bang, you'd see this really well made, uh, basketball program on terrestrial TV. And that got, that drew people in. Now, the trouble with not having it on terrestrial TV and only on league passes, okay, that's cool. If you're already you might be a fan of your monthly subscription, you'll go seek out the places where you can watch it. That's not going to attract any new fans. And I think that's, like I say, although, you know, they have to deal now with, with BT Sport and, and, and everything. It's not really, I don't think, a mainstream enough outlet that's going to really pull in a lot of new fans. But that said, you know, if it, YouTube, etc. means that if someone has even a sort of inkling of, uh, of interest in the NBA, they can check it out and they can, uh, decide whether or not they like it. Whereas certainly, you know, when I was, when I was young, that wasn't available. And if I'd never seen it on ITV or Channel 4, then I, probably wouldn't would never have got into basketball full start.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. I remember when I was younger and as you said there was there was limited coverage. I think there was from what this was like the early two thousands, there was a, a taped game on a Sunday Saturday morning and then a live one on Sunday on Sky Sports. I remember a lot of the friends that I used to play basketball with, a lot of rumours would start, like because there was no real way of checking like what What's actually the truth and what's not. So I remember, like, when Kobe Bryant scored 12 threes in a game, the rumor just went up that he scored like 18 and stuff. <laughs> and then it like took ages for us to like realize no, he's actually just scored 12. And just like those stuff like dunks, like when I know it was in the Olympics, but when I didn't watch it, but when someone told me that Vince Carter jumped over a, a seven footer, I just thought it was it was fake until like two years later when I could actually see on YouTube.
0: But, well, you, you know what? That that I've got I've got a funny story about that dunk, right? So no, no. I heard about that. People were talking about it on the street wall message board, mm-hmm. and um this this was back in the day of like file sharing um software, things like Kazaa and Napster yeah. and stuff like that. So I um I looked for it, found it the very next morning as as we were waking up because obviously it had happened overnight in Australia. Yeah. And you know it took however long to download. And I'm watching it on my little Windows media player. And we were going crazy. Anyway, it was just, uh, you know, a a week or two ago, it was the 14th anniversary of that dunk. And one of the guys that contributes to Ball in Life is uh, my friend on Facebook. And he was writing about how it was his video rip of that. You know, so he ripped the video off the TV. It was him that put it out there on Kazar. And and that was the sort of year 2000 equivalent of going viral, right? Mm -hmm. So there was no social media on which you could go viral But if, if people found out about your thing, it would spread and everyone would share it. And I found out that it was this guy whose video clip it was, um, I downloaded. And so I was like, I had to message him. I was like, mate, my 23 year old self thanks you very much for that (laughs) clip you put up in the year 2000. So, um, so yeah, man, yeah, I, I I can understand how rumors spread and, you know, that couldn't be verified with a click of a mouse and, um, how frustrating it could be. When you heard about something happening and you couldn't view it. Again, there was another Vince Carter legend back then about how he caught this full court windmill alley oop
1: um,
0: (laughs) at the indoor, um, court that's at Rucker Park. Yeah. I heard about it for months and months and months. And then eventually this like grainy video clip of it emerged on the internet. Um, but you know, after months of anticipation, even though it was a sick move, after months of anticipation, when you actually see it after all the hype, you're like, it's not quite as good as I was hoping.
1: Yeah, but if you saw it live, you'd be like, you'd be, your brain would explode. But it's just as you said, like the rumors just make it more. I'm trying to think more. I, I remember there was a lot. Of, the, the annoying thing was is obviously now with League Pass, we can, and like the blogs and the internet and stuff, we can we can hear about like good players on bad teams. So like yeah. Tra, Tracy McGrady on the Orlando Magic, he was never really on Sky Sports and that, but you'd hear commentary like. And all star games and talking about him, but you wouldn't really know much. That I, I personally didn't really know that much about him when he was playing for Toronto and stuff like that because they just didn't show him on TV. So then when you actually finally saw him, I think the first game I saw, I think he shot like two for ten and stuff like that, and I just thought, well, I don't know why they're talking about this guy so much because he's <laughs> he's crap from what I've just seen. But I guess it is. So if when we're talking about uh, NBA coverage and that, what would you do to like change it? If there was one, I know you've talked about tele press tv and stuff like that but what what's one thing that you think really should be improved in the uk
0: i think um i don't know i mean i i think the product that we get now is pretty decent we just we just take the feed of the games right and that's all anybody wants there were times where sky back in the day used to try and um box around the feed their own studio presentation yeah. with I mean, Kevin Kadele was decent at it, but before him, there were various. There was a guy called Nicky Young or something. There were some shocking, yeah. shocking influences that they drafted in. clearly never watched a game of basketball in their life when we used to, doing, you know, ten country or something. And they and they got them in to sort of present the show at the top and you know do do the little sort of halftime bits and whatever. And it was just shockingly bad. So I'm glad they don't do that anymore. I mean, what you get on BT Sport really is like bar well. It won't cost them any money in terms of production because all they do is take the live feed, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as it goes to a break, they just uh, they just whack their brakes in and their 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 bumpers, etc. Um, in terms of what might I like to see improved, well, more games would be good, and perhaps replays at more replays at sort of more reasonable times. Mm-hmm. Um, but also some of the other um, NBA uh, content that that those guys make, you know, like their half-hour highlight programs and stuff like that, maybe those get in a little bit more of a run-out during sort of human being hours, as yeah. it were. Um, but I, my main my main gripe is, you know, that it's not I, – I think – I hope the NBA don't hear this and get pissed off of me, but, you know, I can't help but think Sky would be a better fit just because so many more people have Sky than BT mm-hmm. Sport. I know you can get – you know, you can buy BT Sport on other platforms, I, where I live, we've got Virgin Media Cable and we, um, we, uh, get, uh, BT Sport on that. But I just think you want it to be on the platform that the most people are going to potentially view it on. And I don't necessarily think that is BT Sport. I mean,
2: personally, I think that I, I noticed a, a bigger a sort of a, use of the nba hashtag when it was on sky sports uh, not last season but the season before when they had the split deal with espn yeah. uh, and every sunday that kind of uh, nba on sky hashtag would be going crazy uh and you know it's, it's still it's still very popular now but you know i can't help but notice maybe there has been a little bit of a drop off uh, i'm not really sure why that is if it is just because sky has a bigger subscriber base like you said um, I mean do you think they need a they really need like a game on terrestrial television
0: no i don't think that's so important these days you know now that we are in this sort of multi channel um multi platform day uh i you know I think if you have something on sky then you 're still going to reach ten million households or however many households it is yeah. Um. but but like I say, I just think Sky has that many more uh viewers and subscribers it's in that many more homes you 've got to you've got a better chance of, of reaching a greater number of people if you're in there. But, you know, BT Sport are on the come up. Um, I mean, they're actually scaring the hell out of Sky at the moment, what we've taken the Champions League rights for yeah. the season coming up, and, you know, they're going to give them a real battle for the next round of Premier League football rights. Uh, they've done a the deal with the EuroLeague, so they're going to be showing that. You know, they're snagging all this content. So I think they're going to gradually be attracting more and more customers and building and building their their audience base. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows? In, in five years, BT Sport may be the go-to destination for your sports rather than Sky. Um, but I, I just think at this moment in time, um, I think you would get more viewers on, on Sky because I just think it's the more popular platform at the moment. Because
1: you've also, yeah, like, you've also got like Sky Sports News as well. Like they don't mention anything really about the NBA, but if they did actually have the contract and that, then maybe they could just throw in like a minute of their, the curving hour that they do—that's exact. That's exactly what they did. So I—I I do a lot of work at Sky
0: News as a producer, and uh, so we have Sky Sports News on quite a lot. And a couple of seasons ago, you know, like you were saying, when there was the split with uh, ESPN, um, at the you know sort of every hour they would do a sort of one-minute roundup on what happened in the NBA, NBA last night. As soon as they lost that contract, nah, that's it. They're not doing it anymore. A, because, you know, they don't have the rights to run the picture. But B, it would be a political decision. We're not going to, um, cross promote or promote a, a brand or a league that we are not showing that is on a rival channel. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as soon as Sky lost the, the NBA deal, they completely cut off all coverage on, um, on the Sports News channel.
2: I mean, I know, I know a lot of people, uh, Greg, who like to, to compare the NBA coverage, when personally, when I talk about the fact that I'm a basketball fan, uh, they like to compare it to the NFL coverage here, or the NFL's sort of rise in popularity in the UK. Uh, I mean, do you really think that that is due to the NFL's deal with, with Sky, really? Because their popularity really has taken off uh, in the last few years. Um, people that I know personally who you know, didn't care in the slightest about American sports in the past. You know, a lot of these people have now kind of latched on to the NFL. Personally, you know, I'm not an i I'm not an NFL fan, so I don't really understand it, but I mean, what, what is it about what they've done that's different to the NBA and where could the NBA maybe learn learn from them?
0: Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't really know anyone that has got into the NFL. I mean, when you talk about, you know, people that have latched onto it, have they latched onto it throughout the season or do do they just get hyped about it when the game comes to Wembley and London?
2: Uh, No, I mean, I think it's, you know, I I know people who have, you know, sort of started to support teams and they they watch the games religiously when the season's on, but I I just wondered if that was perhaps due to the fact that they have to deal with Sky, like you say, and they have their game... Uh, every week on Channel 4, and, you know, they're, they're clearly just reaching a, a wider audience. But, you know, personally, I think basketball is a much more enjoyable sport. And, and I've of, I've often thought if the NBA had that same reach, uh could they be, you know, coming over here and selling out two or three, two or three games a year? You know, like the NFL are selling out three 80,000-seat games uh, a season.
0: Yeah, I, I suspect you're right. I mean, I, I completely agree with you in terms of, you know, as a, as a sport to watch on television, I think basketball beats NFL hands down by a million miles. But if they are on Sky and if they do have a, a game on Channel 4, that is a big reach, right? You know, that you're, you're potentially reaching millions and millions and millions of people. Um, and if you, you're consistently doing that season after season, then the chances are you're going to build up a fan base. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I always think it's been underestimated how important, um, television coverage is to drawing new fans into the sport. Like I say, in the 90s, it's why a whole generation of, of people my age got into basketball because it was on Channel 4. You could watch decent, decently produced, uh, NBA basketball content if the NFL are providing that via Sky and via Channel 4, I mean, that's a two-pronged attack, right? You know, that Sky Sports and Channel 4 are both very mainstream broadcasters over here, far more mainstream than BT Sports, so um yeah, that sounds to me like uh their strategy is working although I I will not profess for any minute to be any uh, sort of expert on the NFL and, and exactly what they're doing over here, but it sounds like what you described right there kind of ties in with my theory that if you're on the more mainstream broadcasters, then you're probably going to have a better shot at at drawing in more new fans
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm certainly with you I, i i do like bt sports coverage i love the fact that they just give us the direct feed from the states because it was a couple of seasons ago when you know we were doing double clutch and we were just talking nba and we all used to complain about the fact that sky as you said would kind of do their own wraparounds on the broadcasts and you know as kind of hardcore basketball fans, we just want to see the, we want to see the, the proper halftime show, and we want to see all the little things that go on in between each quarter, and you know the pregame show, post-game show, and you you never got any of that stuff with Sky, and and, and from what I understand of their NFL coverage and you know, of Channel Four's NFL coverage, you don't get that stuff either. It's their own sort of produced in-house broadcast. So what I do love about the BT coverage is that. We get what the US fans get. And as an NBA fan, you know, that's really all that, all that I can personally ask for.
0: Yeah. It always, just, it used to drive me up the wall when they, they go to a studio guest or whatever and they'd start talking some drivel and you'd be like, just the live feed, man. Like, just give us, give us the, the, the ESPN guys in the studio or give us the halftime highlights package. I don't want to listen to a, a, a bunch of guys in the studio in West London talking about this game. And that's no disrespect to any of those guys. But the, the US produced content highlights packages. You know, the production values were so high that that is the product that people want. So I think it, it, it's a, it's a win win for BT Sport by just showing the feed because A, they're giving, uh, real basketball fans just what they want, but B, they're also saving. On a, you know, massive costs in terms of studio hire, crew in it, presenter fees, etc. So, um, it's, is, it is absolutely a win-win for PT Sport just to keep it as it's going. But, you know, what I would like is perhaps more games and, and repeats at uh, sort of in, in evening times, you know, so you can come back and check last night's game, assuming that you haven't seen the score on Facebook eight million times during the day. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now we just want to go through some questions. I've got to the, uh, the double clutch faithful have done pretty well and we have actually got quite
2: a lot of questions and if James if you want to them out yeah sure Greg so uh, as Matt said we've had a lot of uh, questions in uh, for you uh, throughout the day and throughout yesterday so uh, our first one comes from uh, our very own Frankie Hobbs and uh, he says or he asks what do you make of centers in the NBA these days are they a dying art
0: yeah, I, I, I saw this question actually on, um, Twitter earlier and, and yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it's a dying art. I think it's a, an evolving art. Um, again, again, throwing back to, to the mid nineties when I got into basketball, you know, that was a time for centers, you know, Hakeem Elijah Wan, uh, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson. That was, it was a, a centers lead back then, but things have evolved so much now. It's so much more about. Um, speed and agility, and moving the ball, and quickness, and, and multi-skilling—that um, I think those days of, a, of a, just a, a straight-up back-to-the-basket center uh, are gone. Um, you know, uh, and, and actually, I, I think it's been a real golden age for point guards in, in the last few years. Um, you know, when you when you look at guys like Russell Westbrook, Derek Rose before he got injured, uh, Rondo, um, Chris Paul. Uh, a million others, countless other point guards. Um, so I, I think it's more of a, a point guard's league now than it was um, a center's league back in the day. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think the center is dead, but I think It's about being more
2: agile, more versatile, more, more multi-skilled, basically. What about yourself, Matt? Would you agree with? you with yeah.
1: and Greg on that? Yeah, 100%. It's all about the analytics now, and you want in you want in centers and the big guys to stretch the floor. People like Roy Hibbert who do bang a bit in the post and Dwight Howard they're they're what they come there's rarely any that actually we talk of note that actually do that on a successful level so yeah it does make it a little bit more exciting in a a sense of it's quicker than that but me personally I do appreciate the the back to the basket game
2: next question comes from again it's our own uh, Matthew Wellington who sadly (laughs) couldn't be with us on the show tonight but Matt asks uh, how much fun was it to work at the London Olympics and cover basketball in your own country, Greg.
0: It was it was great fun. Um you know, I for for like a, a if you include the the Paralympics as well, basically for a month I was just watching non stop non-stop basketball and actually I actually had one of the best basketball days of my life, the day that um it was the day that the USA caned Nigeria, right? There were three brilliant games that day. There was um I think Brazil either I can't remember if they beat or lost to Russia with a buzzer beater, uh, in one game. GB then lost to Spain by one or two mm. in an absolute nail biter immediately after that. And then, like, the game after that was the game that, um, the USA obliterated Nigeria and Carmelo Antony set all sorts of international basketball records. Absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, it was great. It was great to be a part of it, see everything up close and personal. You know, I got to interview so many of the star players from all the various countries and that was awesome. But it was hard work as well. You know, I was, I literally worked every day for a month. And I don't mean, you know, like, oh, I had weekends off. No, every day for a month I worked until like midnight, one in the morning. So it was absolutely knackering and I was, I was glad when it ended, but it was an amazing experience and it was something I will always remember and you know to have it happen in your home country your home city and be able to work on it it was a real honor and um i'm just glad that i was born at the right time (laughs) just
2: just out of curiosity greg we talked earlier about uh people talking about basketball you know day-to-day in the uk and how it's something we don't really see anymore and it you know, a, a good TV coverage does help that. Did did you happen to notice more uh, people talking about basketball during the Olympics? Because, you know, for me, it was very surreal to turn on BBC and you would see LeBron James, you know, Kobe Bryant, Carmel Anthony and, and the rest of the guys from Team USA sprinting up and down a court. I thought it was a, a very strange sight to see. Um, did you notice any kind of increased interest during that time?
0: We well, you have to understand, I lived in a bubble, basically, during the Paralympics. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see any television. I didn't see any of the other highlights of the Olympics. You know, I didn't see right. um, uh, Usain Bolt winning the 100 metres. I was literally in uh, either the basketball arena on the Olympic site or the O2 uh, when it got into the final stages. So I was trapped in this little bubble uh, of just basketball, basketball, basketball. So I don't know how much of a, a hype the rest of the country got on about basketball. But when I sort of look back on it, um, I, me and the guys that, that started up uh, Fadeaway and MVP, we really, you know, so we set it up years before um, the Olympics came. And we always thought, yeah, look, you know, we're going to build towards 2012 because basketball is really going to catch a wave then. And hopefully we can get some of that 92 Barcelona effect. Um, obviously we all saw what happened to basketball in Europe and in particular Spain after Team USA went there in 92 you know interest exploded and suddenly you know Spain's the second best uh, nation uh, on earth at basketball now i i obviously wasn't expecting an exact replication of that situation but i thought if we can just get 10% of that uh, same effect from the olympics that would be great but when when the event actually came i i felt really let down And I'll tell you why. I thought that having stars over here of LeBron James and Kobe Bryant's magnitude would be all over the TV, all over the papers, you know. uh, Even if at first editors over here didn't know who these guys were, when they saw the rest of the world's media going crazy about these guys, they'd be like, well, hang on, there's obviously something here to be seen. But in the end, I think Great Britain's success at the Olympics in, in everything other than basketball hurt the basketball coverage because every day we had somebody winning gold you know super saturday you know we won this gold here that good there our athletes winning and winning and winning every day took away the potential coverage that you know the world's biggest sporting stars are, are taking part in the basketball so so in the end the basketball got i think way less hype and way less coverage than i had anticipated beforehand and i i put that down to the success of the the British athletes and all the other sort of sports and disciplines doing so well and basically eating up and hogging all the all the headlines.
2: Yeah, you got you got to wonder if we'll see uh see uh, basketball again come into the spotlight and the Olympics uh once again rolls round. Um our next question, uh we don't have a name for this no. one, but I'll, uh, there's no name attached to this question but I'll put it to both of you guys. Um Someone sent us this question on Sport Lobster, this kind of new social networking site, and they have asked us, uh, "What are our suggestions for someone like myself, new to the NBA this season?" So, how would you guys suggest getting into the NBA if you want to kick off apart, with this new upcoming apart season? Apart
1: from listening to Double quotes.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> uh, I I just try and find a good source of uh, material because there's loads out there. It could be MVP, but or oh, sorry, like. Grantland and Iron Basketball they and uh, listening to a lot of their podcasts like the EOB podcast is great because not only do they talk about like everything that's happened the night before and stuff like that they also sometimes like talk about basketball in a sense as in the plays and stuff like that so you can actually get they're very knowledgeable and they can actually help you become more knowledgeable so I'd probably say it's probably best for just good sources on the internet
0: uh, Yeah I'd, I'd I'd say if you're if this person is you know, quite serious about wanting to get into basketball. And I definitely think NBA League Pass is worth the investment. You know, five years ago, NBA League Pass was really hit and miss. You know, you you try and tune into a game, it'd be freezing, buffering, picture quality would be crap. It's It's genuinely like HD quality these days. So, you know, if you want to watch as much basketball content as you watch, as many games as you watch, video on demand as well as live games, I'd say go for League Pass, definitely. You know, that's the, that's the closest thing you're going to have to sort of proper NBA TV over here. Um, that would be my, my suggestion.
1: And that, and if you're going to get it, you also got to watch it on Apple TV. I'm a recent yeah. recruit to the Apple TV last season and it just made it so much better.
2: Yeah, I've got to agree. Apple TV, uh, I, I've, I've got BT Sport through, uh, Virgin Media like Greg, but I also subscribe to League Pass and, and I watch it through Apple TV and really the, the quality and the, just, it's flawless. It never, never buffers. It's just, you know, fantastic. The user interface is great. Uh, definitely the way to go for League Pass. But I think that the NBA, to a lot of people who maybe aren't familiar with basketball, uh, it can be, or it can appear quite, quite complex, uh, to, to get into. I know a lot of people who have actually taken a sort of casual interest in the NBA through, uh, the 2K, the 2K games for the PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, I know people who have bought the games who don't have really the slightest interest in basketball, but they've bought these games because they just look so damn good and they've put on the games and they, they love playing them. And then they'll start to ask more questions about, about NBA and about players and teams. And and they kind of say, well, you know, I, I just don't understand a lot of the terminology and it just seems really, really complicated to, to get into it. And I know that on, the double clutch site. We try to do like a British guide to the franchise. We kind of bullet point uh, a little introduction to each team and to the NBA. But do you think that there's anything that the NBA could be doing just to kind of give new potential sort of casual viewers that 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 intro, that kind of that kind of intro to the league that they, they may need?
0: I mean, possibly they maybe they could on the NBA.com UK site they could maybe have a section for you know a, a beginner's guide certainly back in the day when when channel 4 and those guys were doing the programming they would each week you know do something to explain some sort of terminology or some sort of rule or whatever to try and make it a bit more um accessible to to newbies basically but you know as we were discussing earlier if you're if you're watching on on BT Sport now you're not getting any of that wrap around coverage you're literally just getting the feed so there's not really any scope to do that but you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe the NBA could put some video content together, or or have a section on their UK uh, site to, to give some explainers.
2: Because it's really not it's really not that difficult. What I try to say to people who are taking a casual interest is, you know, just just watch games. Just pick pick some of those games that are on at six p.m. on a Sunday on BT Sport, and just just watch them because you will pick it up very very quickly. I think that basketball is a much more accessible sport than than. And people here in the UK who may not have an interest in it, uh, would be led to believe.
1: It was always the fouls when I try and, like, tell people, explain it to them. The only th- the thing that they always get, they, they always get confused with is the fouls. Like, why is it not a yellow card? Stuff like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same. I think it's the same when they play the, the video games as well. They just keep fouling, fouling over and over again. And. And get really frustrated but you know it's good to see that these things like these games are even bringing more people Mm. to even take a casual interest in the NBA which may then develop into something more It's uh, a every every little bit helps I think Um, it's
0: it's funny you say that because I was kind of the same with Madden back in the day you know playing the Madden series of NFL I never really watched NFL but I used to you know play Madden with friends and and then when it did come on TV I'd be like oh shit I know that player Well, I know this team, um, so it's funny that you say that. It never really occurred to me that people would get into basketball through the video game, but actually when I think about it, I semi got into, to the NFL through the, through the Madden's, um, video game series. Yeah, Madden helped me understand the rules, so I think it was watchable. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Uh, we've got another question here from Tom Reed from Believe the Hype NBA. Uh, Tom asks, uh, Greg, what are your thoughts on the new, uh, UK sport remuneration deal with uh, GB Basketball?
0: Well, it's it's positive news. It's good news to be given some sort of lifeline, having had the funding cut but, you know, obviously it, it now puts the pressure on uh, British basketball to go out and, and, and find sponsors of their own which, you know, I'm surprised they didn't do earlier it, It's interesting, when the NBA had their game over here um, in January Um, there was a little press conference with the the great and the good from British basketball and just talking to them, it it was literally like a month before the funding decision. I think the funding decision came in February and and the the game was in January. Just talking to them, it seemed to me at least clear that they just hadn't considered the possibility that the funding was going to get cut. Whereas to me, now, I, I didn't think it was going to get cut to zero. I'll, I'll admit that. But to me, it was there was no question that the funding was going to get cut, given that we didn't hit UK sports targets. And I thought it was going to get cut drastically, you know, at least half. So talking to these guys, I was just so staggered that they didn't appear to have a sort of contingency plan. Um, or maybe they did. Maybe deep down they did think it was going to get cut and they would just keep putting a brave face on it for the media. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, you know, but I think this is something that they should have been doing from a long time ago. Obviously, we, we had standard life as a, as a sponsor, but I think they should have been perhaps more actively pursuing sponsorship. And I think, I think 2012, um, was a real opportunity for them, you know, to, to really go out and, and secure some high profile sponsorship, given that it was Olympic year. We were, you know, fielding a team for the first time since the 48 Olympics or whatever it was. Um, I think, uh, I think they kind of missed the boat in, in that regard. So yeah, in terms of UK, uh, sport providing this half million pound, um, pot, that's great. And, you know, they're requiring that Fish Basket will match it via other revenue streams. Let's just see if they can do it because I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think, I think previous form hasn't been
2: great from those guys. And just just kind of uh, tying into that, what do what do you guys think uh, of the announcement today that the NBA are bringing the the junior league to to London? Uh, it was kind of surprising news to come out. Uh, we read it on MVP this morning, Greg. So what do you guys what do you guys think of that news?
0: Well, I, it was a real surprise to me as well. I'd had no inkling of it whatsoever. You know, usually with with anything that happens, sort of nba or or or, you know basketball related over here i often hear about it beforehand either directly or indirectly but this this came as a bolt out the blue i literally just got the press release this morning it was like wow um i think it's good you know i think um so obviously basketball england former in formerly england basketball i think they've really taken a good hard look at themselves after they um didn't get some of the the government funding that was given to it to other people like reach and teach and people doing more, um, sort of grassroots and community based stuff. They've obviously had the rebrand and I think they've had to think about how they can bring basketball to more people. And I certainly think that teaming up with the NBA is a great way of doing that, you know, because the NBA is a household name over here. Um, so. I, I'm interested to see how it works. I mean, obviously, it's just for young kids. I think it's 11 and 12-year-olds. And yeah. at the moment, it's only in sort of London and, and southeast area. But um, I think it's encouraging. I think any time that the the sort of governing body can, can work together with uh, the NBA um, is, is good news. Uh, I'm glad they're doing it. And, yeah, I'd, I'll just be really interested to see how it goes. And um whether they roll it out sort of nationwide in the in the years to come, but no, I definitely think it's positive.
2: Do Matt, Matt, do you think it's this could be a good way to sort of get younger kids sort of interested in basketball and and really kind of push it as a a real alternative sport?
1: Well, yeah, it's just everything every, everything about it's just everything about it's positive in, in in every regard, even if it's starting just with kids, really. It's better than nothing, so it's only going to be better.
2: Yeah, I think it would be a, quite a sight to see, you know, if, if one day we could just kind of, you could go outside and just see, you know, kids just playing basketball everywhere out in the, out in, out in the streets uh, across the UK. I think that it's probably something we haven't seen since the kind of early nineties, and uh, you know, certainly, certainly not, you know, not here in Scotland anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it, would, it would be a, a great thing to see. Uh, I've got another question here from uh, Big Andy D, who says, who asks, uh, who do you think the Spurs should bring in uh, to replace the ageing big three, and what do you guys think about the Minnesota Timberwolves this season?
1: Just a classic Andy question. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I, I, I really don't think you can answer the San Antonio question. I mean, (sighs) they've developed all of their players from scratch. You know, they've not been the sort of team to bring in. Um, players, you know, they, they've kind of been the opposite to the Miami Heats of this world who, who, who throw stars together and bring them, build teams. They've, they've nurtured teams and created them from scratch. So, um, I don't really have an answer as to who they should bring in. You know, I, obviously they got Kawhi Leonard, who I think should be probably the centerpiece of, of their future going forward, but, You know, Greg Popovich has probably got irons and fires. He's probably got people developing right now who are five, five years are going to be all stars. I'm not, I, yeah, I could be wrong, you know, and those guys are getting older and maybe they will go out and, you know, when free agents are around, try and snap some of them up. But that's not been really San Antonio's style. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to suggest who Greg Popovich and the Spurs should get because I'm sure whatever they do, it's going to be the right decision. They've been the most, Successful American sporting franchise of the last 15 years or in, in, in all of the big sports. So I'm pretty sure they, they, they're going to know what they're doing. Uh, and in terms of the wolves, I think they've got a really interesting situation now that Kevin Love has left. You know, obviously Ricky Rubio, I guess is the man there, but you know, I'm not, and, and whilst he's a, a, a really good point guard, I'm not sure he has the leadership, um, gene. Or the sort of gravitas, or, you know, that kind of attitude that can lead, um, an NBA franchise. So obviously they're going to massively miss everything that love brought to them. And there's no, in my, in my view, it should be Rubio's team to lead now, but I'm just not sure he's really going to be that guy. But hey, he, he could prove me wrong. They're going to
1: be fun. I know that. They're just young and athletic. They're going to be the Probably the top three teams to watch in past But as you said with Rubio, they're looking. if they they. He's got an extension coming up. Then they could sign him. He's looking for a max deal. I don't think he. I don't think he'll be in Minnesota long if that's what he's asking for. Because I don't think he'll be part of their future. If he's asking for a max deal or an extension.
0: Yeah. No. I think I think you're probably right. I mean, I think. I mean, they've got until the end of the month to sign him. I think they probably will. Um. But yeah, I'd be surprised if he's going to get max money. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't, you know, but as I say, I've, I just have my concerns about whether he can really be the true leader, um, of that team.
2: Um, but yeah, time will tell. Yeah, we've got another question in here from Ross McLeod who asks, uh, of which players from the last year's rookie class, uh, so the 2013 14 season rookie class, uh, do you think will have the biggest impact this season? <laughs>
1: Including Noel, then it'll probably be Noel. Obviously, that's a home homenippet because I'm a Sixers fan. But I don't really think any, I don't think, uh, and in Milwaukee maybe. I know he's, he's starting, uh, point guard against Cleveland the next game they play in the pre-season, but it wasn't the best draft class, so I'd, I'd probably say Giannis.
0: I, you know what, I, I saw, again, I saw this tweet, um this question earlier on Twitter. And I was racking my brains and Yanis was the, was the most logical choice that I could think of as, as well. I mean, obviously, um, my, uh, Carter Williams had a decent season last year. I think I was reading he was the first rookie since Magic Johnson to average 16, 6 and 6 as a rookie or, or something like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, how, how much more he will improve this year, uh, I don't know. But, you know, Yanis really seems to be coming on in leaps and bounds um he he like he grew 3 inches in his rookie year i heard <laughs> um uh, and and obviously he's shown some flashes of brilliance during the the world cup as well so yeah if if i had to pick anybody i'd say he's probably going to be the guy that um the you know is is has the the greater impact compared to last season this season
2: I thought that Noel looked looked fantastic during summer league. I was really, really impressed with you know what I saw of him during that short time, but i really hope he can stay healthy because uh you know he's only going to get better from then, but he, I thought he looked oh, fantastic uh, during those few games.
1: If he has the smallest injury, the sixers will, will they will sit sit in for about ten games. they are not looking to win again
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh what what do you guys think of uh what about Tim hardaway jr any any love for?
0: Well, he was the other. He was the other guy I was going to say actually, because I mean, you know, he was decent on that Knicks team last year as a as a rookie. He was he was really a a bright spark for them. And so, you know, if he can pick up where he left off and even improve from where he was last year, then he's going to be a real baller. I mean, again, him and Yanis were the were the two guys that really sprung to mind in terms of who's going to be getting it done as a as a sophomore this year. Uh,
2: just kind of leading on from that question, we've got another one here. Uh, one final question from from Gary White, who asks, uh, "Which team do we think will be the most improved team in terms of placing?" So, uh, maybe
0: Cleveland, hands down, surely. <laughs> surely, they've gone what four or five years without making the playoffs, and now they got the big three. Um, yeah, I, I think Cleveland will 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 uh, enjoy the greatest rise up the rankings.
1: Yeah, it's
2: the, the hands down question that I'm even. Uh, so I mean, so what, what do you guys think? I mean, in terms of this season, uh, I mean, who? What are you most looking forward to? Are you, are you most looking forward to seeing if Cleveland can live up to the hype, or I mean, is there one particular thing that you guys are most looking forward to uh, come October 28th?
0: I want to see the Spurs prove everyone wrong again Mm -hmm. every single year. Every single year, even if the Spurs have gone to the finals or the conference finals or even won it, people don't seem to talk about them when the next season swings around. It's always, oh, what's LeBron doing? Oh, what's Kobe doing? What's What's this, that, and them doing? And everyone seems to forget about San Antonio. Now, whether that's because they're not flashy or whatever, I don't know. But I would really like to see the Spurs win it again. And I think they can win it again. You know, every year people say they're too old, they're this, they're that, and every year they prove people wrong. Um, so I am most looking forward to seeing how the Spurs do and hoping that they do it all over again.
1: I'm, I'm probably most looking forward to this. I think it's the NBA is changing now. I think there's a new crop of like the young superstars and stuff, and it's just really just watching them evolve. If it's anyone from definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to Anthony Davis after, after the, uh, the World Cup and just players, younger players that are gonna just mold into great superstars. So that could be Andre Drummond, Clay Thompson, etc.,
2: etc. Did uh, just out of curiosity, did you guys happen to see uh, Steph Curry just disrespect Kobe Bryant last night?
0: Yeah, I heard about uh, it. Three in his face, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he just uh, Kobe was right in Steph Curry's face, just uh, trying to defend, and and Curry just ran circles around him, just launched up the three made the shot and, and Kobe just really could do anything but just kind of laugh and just give, he gave Steph Curry a pat on the backside, uh, just to say you know, good job kid, you got me but it was, uh, it was just one of those those clips that uh, as soon as I saw it I just kind of sat back and I just thought damn, Kobe just got Kobe mm-hmm. that's uh, that it's, it's, it's a clip that you, if you haven't seen it on, on, if you haven't seen it yet we'll, we'll throw it up on YouTube after this but it's uh, just one of, one of those moments uh, it's a real kind of Real passing of the torch, uh, real passing of the torch is kind of uh, all summed up in one 30 second clip. But, and what, what do you guys think of uh, Kobe anyway? Do you think he's going to have a good season? Do you think he'll remain injury free? Or uh, do you think you're going to see him winding down now?
0: Winding down. Uh, it's, he, he, yeah, well, people have been writing of Kobe since forever, you know, and he's he's proved him wrong and wrong time and time again. You know, and the season, I think it was the season when he first got injured right at the very end. He only lost, everyone was saying he's too old, he's too old, he's too old. He lost out on the scoring title by like 0.1 points per game to Durant. Um, So yeah, you know, people love to write us, you know, say that people that are 36 years old are too old. I know that because I'm 36. (laughs) But but yeah, I I think he's still got someone left in the tank. I mean, is he going to be the Kobe Bryant of old No, But is he going to be some run down old bum? No, I I don't think. I think he'll still give, give you 20 points a game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It won't be a good season but it'll it'll still be entertaining with Kobe. Right, uh just quickly mention we've got some upcoming upcoming pod- podcasts in the next month before the season starts. We've got one on a two K fifteen review, which will I'm sure Matt's excited about that one, and then we'll obviously have our East and West preview podcasts which will always be a bit of fun. Hopefully Frankie can jump on one of them and cause controversy or some nonsense. But We want to thank, once again, Greg, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to listen to your uh, stories and reminiscing a bit about Channel 4 NBA. So we just want to thank you again for coming on. Oh, thank you. Uh, Just tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and on the internet, really. Uh,
0: MVP247.com and at
1: MVP... Who are we? I don't even know what our Twitter name is. Is it
0: MVP underscore mag or MVP um, um, underscore 27?
2: Yeah, MVP underscore
0: 247. There you go. I'm not really a guy. To be honest, you're
1: better finding us on Facebook. Um, uh, you know, go on MVP247.com, click the Facebook icon. <laughs> and where can they find you, James? Um,
2: you, can, you can find us on uh, at Double Clutch UK, where we're on there tweeting all the time. Uh, just send us your questions for any upcoming shows. As Matt said, uh, the other Matt, who's not here, and myself will be doing our NBA 2K15 review podcast this week, and then next week we've got our East and West uh, preview preview shows coming up before tip-off. Uh, you can also find us uh, on facebook.com slash podcast or at doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. I just want to put it to you guys right now before we go, uh, if you could pick uh, an East and Western Conference uh, finals matchup right now, who would you go for?
0: I'd say... Cleveland, Chicago, maybe, yeah. in the east. San Antonio.
1: Mm, I'm going to go Clippers, San Antonio and Clippers. Yeah, Clippers would be good. Clippers would be good. All right, well. thank you for listening, everyone. Hopefully we will catch you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, y'all, this is a roll call. Let me see you big city, live city, rip city, Mexico city, China, London. Where you at, dude with all the hats? Dude with the haircut, dude with the beard, all you baby sizes, shack sizes, no really shack sizes. Let me see you fantasy owners, tweeters, blog readers, gamers, game timers. Woo! Come on, let's see you floor seats, family seats, all your mama seats, best seats in a house. Let's see you legends, coaches, trainers, you two, rookie? Both of you. Pick number one, pick number two, pick number 28, pick up the year. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Come on. Let's see you dancers. Ring leaders. Real leaders. Guy coming off the bench. Guy leaving the bench behind. All you passers, dunkers, blockers, buzzer beaters. All you contenders, championship defenders. It's tip-off time, y'all. Everybody up.